Hello, welcome to another season of Life After Advertising. I'm your host, Janice Tan. This series features iconic individuals in the advertising and marketing space who shifted gears and took on a different career path. The first season featured industry players including Linda Locke, Matthew Godfrey, Anne Ridwan, and Jeffrey Sia. This season, we will hear from another group of individuals who have carved out a niche for themselves after stepping away from the advertising and marketing industry. This week, Editor-in-Chief Razwana Manjur speaks to Omar Marks, CEO of Singapore-based sushi place Mushi Sushi and former CEO of Makisan Sushi. Marks, who was previously with McKen, founded Mushi Sushi last year alongside his partners Raj Mulani, ex-director of Makisan, and Fresh Creation Holdings, owner of Salad Stock. Marks shares how the pandemic has impacted the company's plans, what it is doing to stand out in the crowded sushi space, and the role he plays in marketing Mushi Sushi. Hi, Omar. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So, Rizwana, I'm um, right now CEO of a brand called Wushi. We do sushi rolls and bowls. Uh, this is something we started off uh, late 2019. Uh, partners in my brand are uh, uh, Salad, the Salad Stop Group, uh, Fresh Creations, they, they go by that name, and uh, another uh, veteran of the ad industry, a uh, guy called Raj Mulani. Uh, who also runs uh, the cage football and he he was my partner at Makisan as well which we can discuss later if need be and from Makisan to Wushi when did you make the shift and um, what drove you to make the shift okay there was some incompatibility with the partners at that stage uh, this was sometime uh, towards the end of 2018 uh, so I used to be the CEO of Makisan it's a brand I built uh, from scratch and uh, there were some issues uh, towards the end of 2018 and I did not see myself continuing uh, in that new structure that was being created. Uh, so I thought the best thing is to move on. Uh, Ra- Raj also uh, had to leave and uh, so he's joined me in this business as well. So it's safe to say that Wushi has been in the market for about two years? Uh, I'd say uh, a year and a bit. Okay, so when would you say you officially launched Wushi? Uh, officially, it was launched uh, not not this not December two thousand and what is it nineteen? Yes. So right, right before the pandemic actually hit. Oh yes, we couldn't have timed it better, <laughs> to be honest. So uh, we started early December pandemic. Uh, we saw the first uh, signs of it in Feb here, and yes. So we kind of, uh, we are a pandemic baby, essentially. So tell me, how has the pandemic really impacted your plans? And how are you thinking on your feet to keep the business running? So essentially, uh, Makisan had a largely uh, Singapore footprint. Uh, I had grown it to 18 outlets here, uh, over a million dollar turnover uh, at the, around the time I left. So for me, the next challenge was to uh, grow a regional brand. The whole partnership with Salad Stop was also uh, uh, was because they have had a very successful operation in seven or eight uh, eight countries, uh, Southeast Asia and beyond. So we were very confident that uh, uh, with my know-how of a youth brand and uh, 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 the category we were in, and we could take this uh, overseas. 
and that was the whole plan regional expansion was the plan which uh, covid covid completely put a stop to that uh, we were to be in three countries by now uh, but again we had to relook all of that and so it's now uh, focusing more here again uh you can pivot and you can start using the time to just make the brand a lot more stronger here both in terms of a product in terms of a service in terms of the branding so there are ways to uh, utilize your time of course uh while we we wait for the borders to open a bit more do you have a new vision for the brand for me it was always uh, to have a very uh, engaging brand brand I always believed that uh, people buy brands not products and therefore everything I was going to do or am still doing is to make sure that the brand is a lot more engaging and it goes beyond just a food territory and it uh, kind of uh, becomes more uh, of a lifestyle uh, choice food falls very well into that so we have a vision for the brand in terms of the fact that uh, I wanted to really this time make it a lot more collaborative in every sense of the word that at every stage i will have people who will come in and help us with the recipes help us with the packaging help us with uh, uh the the branding elements and communication so we started this with that vision and i think by and large we've executed this in the limited footprint that we have we have managed to do that and i'm very happy where it is right now of course there are the pains of uh, uh covid which no fnb business not a lot of businesses can escape that but uh, I think it's by and large so far it's shaped out quite well. Mm yes, I remember it's it's quite collaborative and when you guys first launched we interviewed you about the packaging where you had worked with some of the street artists to help you create these amazing very colorful um and attractive looking packages to lure the younger market. um but the space that you currently play in is very crowded and and so i'm sure packaging alone uh will not do the trick right so how are you standing out um in this very competitive space see again uh, i think uh, the basic major is we do not consider ourselves a uh, traditional sushi at all so i'm not competing on the grounds of uh, just put, giving uh, a very traditional and a very high end a uh, sushi experience mm. we are fusion sushi we have accepted that uh, e- even in makisan it was largely that that i mean we are not your go to traditional dining spaces people do it better out there there are a lot of japanese brands here and uh, we have a clear usp in what we do is we make sushi a lot more uh, approachable a lot more uh, 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 universal and because again if you see the flavors uh, that we have they go much beyond what you'll find in a traditional sushi offering right so we have uh, we we cover a lot of like say for example local flavor we have salted egg we have mala we have sambal all you can do it in your sushi which is not what you would usually expect mm. you get jalapenos in your sushi you get barbecue sauce in your sushi if you want so i mean we've completely just gone by what we think are nice fun combinations to have it works uh, in a roll or a bowl format and then just i mean to use a word yeah deconstructed how uh, a su- a traditional sushi is mm. and, and we are ha- happy doing that i will never go ahead and claim that uh, uh, we we are the connoisseurs of fine japanese cuisine no we are not so your journey till this point uh was with makisan and before that you were in the ad industry 
Um, tell us how you got started into into the world of advertising. Uh, I was actually studying chemistry uh, back in India, uh, and uh, uh, I was not very clear whether I want to be a lab rat. With I'm going to be happy doing that. So I thought it's more about uh, I want to get into more uh, uh, conservation, eco conservation. Uh, uh, but again, then I thought uh, I don't have the skill sets to uh, to get more into the research side of things. Then I then I came to the decision that maybe I, I just need to maybe green piece was quite big at that stage, especially in India. Where, and so activism was something I would I was considering again. I need to bring some kind of skill sets to the table, and I just felt that communication, maybe that kind of activism, I I, I help with eco uh, conservation communication, perhaps. So that's the space I was playing with, and that's how I first got my brush into advertising. That I just wanted to get into a communications field so I could just hone my skills a bit more. I had a, a good friend in the ad business uh, at that time. Uh, uh, he was a senior copywriter, a guy called uh, Neil Flory. He's done the round in Singapore as well. Uh, uh, and I, I saw his portfolio. I was very impressed by. I just like that part of the ad, ad, advertising that there's a product, there's an audience. You just find interesting ways of uh, pushing that product to that audience. That, in its essence, it was that, right? And I thought, okay, this looks interesting. That every time you need to find a different way of doing this. And so got into that. I begged my way into my first job uh, because uh, I had no qualifications. I had no portfolio uh, worth even considering. And what was what was the first job? Uh, it was uh, in, in in India. It, it was a DDB affiliate called Mudra. Mm. So Mudra DDB. So I started off there. Uh, then uh, uh, impressed my mentor enough that when he was moving to McCann. In Bangalore, South India, he took me along. After that, I moved to a Gilvi in Bangalore. Uh, thereafter, I uh, cold called my way into an agency here, uh, Crush Advertising. At that stage, uh, that was my first gig here. Uh, after that, I moved to uh, to uh, Alchemy Partnership, uh, and my final gig in the ad business was at McCann uh, here, McCann Ericsson. So I think all in all, all this was uh, 12 to 14 years, sometime, something around then, considering mm. my internships and all that. What spurred you to leave the ad industry and join the FNB business? Okay. Uh, I don't I didn't know I was getting into the FNB business. What I was clear about is that I wanted to leave the ad business. Okay. Uh, so again, it's a personal thing. I felt that... Uh, I had stopped creating enough. I thought a large part of my job was just uh, not the creation process. It was just managing people, expectations. And uh, um, I mean, it was just a personal choice. And I just felt that uh, I don't think I'm using my skills the way I thought I would. Uh, and I need to do something about this. So uh, so that, that kind of, I kind of had my fill of advertising. At least that format. Maybe I could have explored other formats, but uh, and then I said, okay, now if uh, I need to go beyond, right? Then if I feel I have enough brand building acumen, if I have honed my communication skills enough, or at least I thought I had, then 
it's it's a it's time to put it to the test right and there's no better way to do it than start do your own brand because then there are no excuses right mm. uh, so uh, so that that was the first thing that we need to do something by ourselves secondly food business yes i had dabbled in it because uh, i used to manage a small roadside place uh, for my brother in india uh, so i, I like the fact that there are good vibes associated with food right you're essentially somebody is having a meal which is an essential part of the day oh. and uh, it's a happy time right when somebody is having a meal and it's a nice place to start uh, conversations and it's a nice place to interact with people the whole the whole feeling around a meal whatever that could be you know so i i, I like those vibes around it and then uh, i was very clear that i don't want to get into fine dining i don't have kitchen experience or a uh, uh, a know how and i would like to get into a so called casual space where marketing and comms do play a role like in the, in the, in the fast food business a lot of desire is driven by marcom right because the product is uh, basic and it's it, it's more uh, judged by consistency and uh, uh, rather than of any particular chef's uh, uh in-depth skill right so so i was happy to be in the fast food space where uh, in a short duration you are you are expected to engage excite and probably deliver a and, and deliver a product which is uh, kind of hits the mark right uh and uh, i was so that that's all that's what all the background that we were slowly slowly moving when i say we is because i had my design partner at that stage uh, my art director partner uh, joseph ko he was with me in uh, advertising in mccann we both were exploring this journey together he also had reached a point where he wanted to move beyond advertising a friend came across a concept of uh, make your own sushi which existed in the us there were a couple of brands doing it one was a chain one was a standalone in new york and we we said hey that's interesting sushi uh to explore uh make your own format uh it's not being done here and japanese food is so popular sushi is so popular here but no one's thought about this and the make your own part immediately has this uh element of interactivity right because make your own means you're already involving a customer in the uh so called the production or the creation process of of the role mm. it's not just one directional that we produce you eat no this time you you have a role to play in the creation of at that particular so we already could see okay th- there is scope of engagement interactive interactivity and all this meant that our communication skills could influence the business right because relevancy is important i mean otherwise he, what what are he and i doing in that business right so so it all kind of uh, brought us to this point where we like you know what sushi make your own non traditional have some fun because we don't want it to be very serious so i can clearly hear your passion for creativity coming through um in this conversation and and it, i guess it stemmed from your ad days are there any skills that you feel that you often tap into um in your current role that you took away from advertising i mean okay i'll be very honest i i love the part i used to love that bit about advertising where it's communication you find a solution for a communications problem right and i have kind of 
that outsider's view to fnb has helped me a lot or at least it it helps me find my space in fnb because there are enough people doing it out there doing it 10 times better than i do everybody comes with their own kind of a uh, 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 sk skill sets and a lot of relevant industry experience right domain experience i am this little rookie who thinks he wants to uh, get into the fnb world which was which is never considered in in singapore especially is not it has a high barrier for entry because of uh, uh, the rentals involved because of the labor issues involved so i had to make sure that uh, i i'm doing things the way they're going to keep me happy keep me going because it it is a struggle at the start as any business is but fnb just throws 50 things at you in the day 7 days a week and you got to be ready for that right and you got to make sure there are some parts of that business some of it now nah, you're not going to love every part of that business right but some parts of that you really can own and be happy about because those will take you through uh, the rest of the the times right and i like the fact that uh, everything can be broken down into a communication problem right whether it's talking to your staff your suppliers your customers whether it's selling a product or selling a service and i always up looked at it uh, from that approach so how did i analyze any issue at in advertising whether it was for a uh, yeah brand uh, any brand whether it was a fast food brand i used to work on kfc at one stage i used to work with l'oreal exxon so it's all different kind of brands so that's what i adapt even even in this role because i i think that's my job and the interesting part especially in markisan is that we started off uh one outlet with uh, probably two staff us running it uh, most of the time uh learning everything like right from the processes to the pricing to making sure everything is standardized to making sure uh, the expectations of customers because there's no way to you can't hide in fnb right because you are a customer facing business so you need to be on the mark every time or you need to accept where you are messing up right yeah. uh and uh, so and then we slowly slowly grew to a second outlet to a uh, slow a uh, third fourth and i didn't even know at this stage what it meant you know what growth like this means i was just trying to cope with things right that okay every time i we are growing it's bringing a new set of issues with it i'm getting more people uh, uh, under me uh, which means more layers how do i make sure i'm connected to all these layers if there is a vision which again nothing is defined right it's just your feeling of how you want to run a business which eventually turns into a vision or a mission or whatever mm. but how is that carried forward you can't be just writing fancy stuff fancy words on a wall right and hope everybody uh, follows through on that right so you got to be there you got to train your next rung you got to make sure they are communicating the right values down, further down the line and so i remember at at one stage we 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 grew to 18 outlets we had 12 uh, corporate outlets six were franchise we used to do a uh, uh, over a million dollar turnover a month uh, it was just at a scale where i i just had to find my little safe space there because it was just a big big thing to run at that stage Tell us a little bit about how you're marketing the Wuxi brand and the role you play in it. I have have my views of course on things and how uh, 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 how certain things should look and but 
I always try and hold myself back because again, that's beauty or beauty or the challenge of working with artists or other creative people is that you need to leave enough room in between, right? If it becomes too much dominated by uh, your views and your thoughts, then uh, you are not firstly not going to you are not going to get a good good artist working with you because uh, it, it's about points of view, right? Or if you have somebody who's yielding to you all the time and happy to do exactly what you want, then probably that that artist is a bit too commercial and not exactly going to put his heart and soul in the business in in what you want to do, right? So. I always saw my role as being, yeah, being very clear about what is the space I need to be in. Once I'm comfortable with uh, that space uh, for my brand, then leave the leave that space then for for somebody else to come and populate it, mm-hmm. right? So uh, this is an approach we took. Uh, uh, so now, okay, again, uh, I and this time I wanted to make sure I didn't work with any particular agency uh, uh, and just one set of people throughout. Mm-hmm. If, it was all project basis and if, if I enjoyed that interaction, we'd do a second one and a third one and we'd continue with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started off, uh, the whole brand brand exercise was done with, uh, again, my friend Neil Flory, uh, and, uh, who, who's right now based in Sydney, and Hui Chong, uh, he, he's a, an art director here, freelancers. I work with them, individuals, because I, rather than agencies which are uh, come with layers and come with, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot more uh, to, to assimilate. Uh, I just felt with individuals that I can trust, it moves faster. We used to have a meeting at Kopitiams and at, uh, uh, you, you know, at cafes and just get things going, uh, trying out stuff. So we worked with them and we created the brand uh, in a way that it, it was quite open. That's why it never had... Uh, uh, like Wuxi doesn't have a, a very specific color. Uh, it's largely, uh, when in doubt, we use black and white. Oh. Uh, the whole uh, the thinking was that because as we are going to go ahead and collaborate with people, then we want we don't want any clashes of color or restrictions being put on artists uh, because of a certain color that we are right that this won't work or that won't work. So we kind of kept it very virgin like that, and uh, then. Then we started. Okay, which are the uh, which are the major elements that we would like to work on? Now, every every food brand has things it needs to do, right? It needs to do a store design. It needs to do packaging. It needs to do uniform designs. It needs to do a bit of social. Me- it has to have a social media page. So it's like we don't want to do uh, branding and marketing for the sake of it. It has to have a functional requirement. So every all these things which I need to I need to do a uniform anyways, right? For, for staff. So can I turn this into an art piece? I need to do a, a, a packaging anyways. Could could that turn turn into conversation starters? So functional elements. We we didn't want to like just yeah do a basic version of something and then go look for more market marketable assets, right? No, why shouldn't our very basic uh, assets turn into uh, buzzworthy ones if they could, I mean, right? So that was the whole approach. That's why we made sure our our uniforms uh, were done up by artists. They, it's like it almost looks like a limited edition uh, works. The only people who work who work with us uh, will ever own those. Mm. Uh, that's why the packaging, uh, all of them came from uh, uh, artists in Sydney, Melbourne, and uh, uh, Singapore. Uh, again, 
all we told the artists was and neil was helping me handle some of this is we want pop we want happy uh that's it we uh, we don't we don't want dark we don't want divisive uh we don't want political st- stands on this uh and that's all mm-hmm. happy quirky pop was generally the space we want to be then the artists did whatever they wanted to in fact uh uh i i approved everything that was shown to me at one go first time i have never asked anybody to make any changes neil had a couple of layers that he he tried to go back and forth but by and large i remember being told that the artists were very surprised that oh the client has no comments mm. and i'm like no oh, man i'm not going to tell an artist how to do his art man i already seen his work i know it can work for a brand like wushi after that go on go do what you do best right what's the point me telling you <laughs> uh telling you how to do your art man and mm. trying to change that so they they loved these interactions man with us. so they spoke to their friends and then more friends got involved uh in this and for for me i got great work out of it so i'm going to ask you a question i i often ask um ex agency uh folk who have now started their own business do you as a ceo count your dollars and cents a lot more now than you did in advertising because it's really your money on the line now and not the clients i would say it's more of a budget call it's more of you understand the the elements better you understand how advertising works at a retail space a bit better so you're making suggestions which are a lot more efficient uh so i wouldn't say budget yes there is always a budget it's not like a, a open open season on everything but you kind of understand what works better because uh, as being a client yourself you know what should you put your energy on and uh, in and what you shouldn't so i would say that's my bigger learning than than just nickel and diming things you know do you have a fear of failing um given that you started in the middle of a pandemic or right before the pandemic hit um do you fear failure i don't uh, fear failure to be honest because uh I've always learned to count my blessings. There's always somebody worse off, uh, even in the COVID situation. I mean, that the fact that we still have a roof over our head, that we still are in good health. Here we are talking to each other. Uh, uh, we are in a country that has taken all the right, right steps to keep us protected. Uh, and uh, the fact that I still have a business going, I mean, you have to count your blessings. It is so much worse for so many people out there, right? That I, I don't, fear failure at all yes i wish uh, things were better uh, from a business point of view our best laid plans have been uh, kind of thrown out of the window yeah. uh, but uh, it, it's what it is what i do fear is uh, and this is this was more of a personal thing is is stagnation personal stagnation if i don't think i am pushing myself enough if i am kind of succumbing to the pressures of the business and uh, uh, just wallowing in this whole misery uh, that that that's what concerns me more mm. that you can't stop you got to keep trying do this do that see where it takes you no one is going to going to be able to guarantee you results right now a lot of the things that we are trying are not working out but we are trying others other things have worked out it's pushed us to do things which we wouldn't have uh, generally uh, cuz it would have taken we would have taken a very different journey but it's all good i think uh, the fact that you are pulled in different directions means you are learning something means you are being more adapt adaptable right 
so it's all good you have to have this this mindset uh if you need to keep going right and the it, it it's a good pursuit i think that uh you have to push yourself to grow grow not maybe it won't be in dollars it won't be in outlets perhaps right now but the the personal growth has to happen at all times okay last question omar do you think you'd ever go back to advertising no not in exactly the same way uh, i used to operate before because i don't see per se being defined as just a copywriter i would rather whatever i i don't know if an <laughs> good enough term a brand builder or whatever that is but in that space that i want to look at things uh, in a bit more macro way and a bit more wholesome way whether it requires copy or else we we yeah i'm happy to write copy because that's where my natural uh, skills uh, are best uh, suited to yeah. but uh, no nah, i i would not like to limit myself just to that thank you for listening to this week's episode of life after advertising to stay on top of trends learn to reskill and upskill your capabilities and grow your professional network head over to www.marketing-interactive.com Subscribe to our Telegram channel too at Marketing Interactive. See you there.